Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. I don't know if you follow sports or not. I do. I love different. I, li- I like my sports. There's some sports that I'm more fond of than others, and you'd probably be the same. And, but there's nothing harder than watching your team lose, especially if it's a grand final or a championship game. Watching a team lose, and you just think, oh, man, like, get this thing over with. Sometimes it can be very painful watching your team lose. But there's nothing better, in my opinion, in, in sports than watching your team come from behind and, and, and win. And there's something that turns or shifts, and I would call that a turnaround. When you just know you're behind, the score says you're not going to win, you're behind in points or baskets or goals or whatever it is, but you just know something has shifted. And that something is momentum. And that shift, when that happens, is called uh, a turnaround. It's the momentum is shifting now your way. And you know, you just know, no matter what the scoreboard says, you just know you're going to win. We're going to win this game. Our team is going to win. But you're still behind. And I want to talk this morning, uh, and I've called this morning's message, it's time for a turnaround. Now, you can personalize that however you want. You can say it this way, and I encourage you to. It's time for my turnaround. This is my turn. Something has shifted, and something is turning around, and it's going in my favor. Now, very few teams have turnarounds, and but you know when you're watching that game, you just know when it's happened. You think, you know, it happened when they recovered that ball. It happened when they hit that six. That happened when they scored that goal. It, it, that was the turning point. That's when everything shifted in the game. So what's it going to take for you to have a turnaround? What's it going to take for something to shift and for the momentum to start to travel in your favor? Well, God's into words, and I'm into words. I like to teach the Word of God. And God created everything with a word. He just, his words are powerful. They went out there. They accomplished what he put them out there for. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the what? The Word of God. Words are incredibly powerful, and they're incredibly important for us to grab a hold of, especially when it comes to something called faith. And I want to give you this morning what I believe is one of faith's greatest words, uh, probably, in my opinion anyway, the greatest word for hope. It's a word that will take a dark storm and turn it into a silver line. It will take a problem and turn it into a possibility. It will shift the momentum if it's going against you. And you hear this morning, you think, man, I've got some serious financial problems. Well, you need this word. You need a turnaround. And, and your turnaround hinges, I believe, upon this one word that will change everything. It's a turnaround word that when you get a hold of it, and you dare to proclaim it, 
and you get it into you, it will shift something. No matter where you're at right now, and we're all in different situations, you could be here and you're single, but you want to be married. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's an a, that's a incredible desire. And somebody asks you, are you married? You go, no. Well, no is not going to cut it. You could be here right now, and again, you know, your finances are in dire straits. The bank is knocking at your door. The bills are coming in. And you can acknowledge that, and of course you need to acknowledge whatever the problem is, but that's not going to shift. Dwelling on that problem and riding that problem, you're going to lose the game. You need a turnaround word. You need the momentum to shift. You need something in your favor to, to something's got to break. And this morning, this word that I'm going to give you, it's powerful. And I really, this is a simple message. It's not something complicated. I, I don't do complicated. I believe that this morning's word is a game changer. It's something that you grab a hold of that will take, take where, wherever your situation, whatever's going against you, and it will shift this thing, and, and, and it'll, it'll put you out of orbit. I think about Peter. Peter was uh, wanting to walk on water. They're in a storm, and it's like they see what they think is a ghost, and it's not. It's Jesus coming, and he kind of thinks, is it or isn't it? And he can't quite see because his vision is distorted because of the storm, the wind and the waves. Everything's howling. All the disciples are in the boat. They're frozen. They're scared. And Peter looks out, and he sees what he thinks is Jesus, but he's not sure. So he says, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. And, and one word, not the word I'm going to give you, but, but one word was a game changer that shifted momentum and caused Peter to do something that no human being had ever done nor has ever done since then, and that's walk on water. Jesus says, come. I think about lepers. There's four of them sitting on, on or two rather, on a wall. And uh, the city's been besieged, and, and they're in famine. It's so bad that people are selling their kids, and they're eating uh, children. I mean, that's how bad it is. They're sitting on the wall, discussing, what are we going to do? If we stay here, we're going to starve to death. But if we go out there, the enemy's out there, and we might die. And they're discussing this until they get a word, what do we got to lose? Let's just go. And that word go propelled them into their breakthrough and their turnaround for the whole city had a turnaround because of one word. I think of Lazarus. He's in the grave for four days. He stinketh. He's, he's, he's four days decaying. And Jesus comes along. And with really not very many words, he says, Lazarus, come forth. That's three. That's not bad. And the dead's raised. The whole situation changes. And Mary and Martha and, and all the extended family, they get their brother back. Just on a few words from God. You are not far away from your turnaround. And I would say this, you are one word away from your turnaround. I'm going to give you that word this morning. And it's a turnaround word that will change everything. David said this in Psalm 30. He says, he says, my mourning, my wailing, 
shall be turned into dancing. For God, you have turned it into dancing. It's a turnaround time for you this morning. I want you to say this to your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, this is my turnaround morning. Time for a turnaround. It's time for a turnaround. So you're guessing, what is that word? I hope so. That's, that's the, uh, the teaser for me anyway. I didn't want to give you that word. But if you're down and you need a turnaround, well, you need to take it this morning and this one word that God wants to give you is a turnaround word. It's, it's a powerful word. It'll turn a coward into uh, a courageous person. There's one word that the underdog can grab a hold of that'll tackle your problems. And that one word, it's a connecting word. It's like a, a sentence has connecting words like nevertheless or Da, 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 but still, or in spite of, it connects something negative to something positive. It's powerful. It will turn pain into comfort. I want to give it to you this morning. In fact, before I do, <laughs> this word, I looked it up. It appears over three, three how, how many days are in a year? It, it appears over 365 uh, times in the Bible. I thought, that's interesting. So there's, there's a little more than one of these words for every single day of your life that you need to turn around. Lamentations. Lamenting. Lamentations chapter 3, 19 to 22. Listen to this. This is, this is, this is someone that's seriously got some problems and they're, they're lamenting over it. And they, they, they need this word and they get this word. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet, <laughs> I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. It goes on. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. Over 365 mornings, 365 yets that are there for you. I say to myself, and this is a great word for you to say to yourself and to say it out loud to your circumstances, the word yet I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him and to those who search for him. So it is a, it's good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. I'll never forget the awful time, it says, yet, yet, I still dare to hope. God wants to put a yet in your mouth. I've been down that many times in my life. Uh, the lament, the lament, lamentation there talks about homelessness. I've been homeless. I don't know if you've ever been homeless. I've been homeless. I've been homeless on more than one occasion. And my homelessness never came out of failure from business or just losing a job or down on life. It came through following God in ministry, living in a tent. I remember once when um, 
I crossed over the waters to come to Australia. My story's different than probably a lot of people in ministry. I wasn't a pastor's kid, and I didn't, you know, take over a church in my hometown. I'm not from here. You can tell by my accent. Uh, for me to get to this country and to get in ministry, in fact, to even have a church like this, is, it's a full-on miracle. I know from whence I came. I know who did it. It wasn't me. I wasn't born and raised on the sunny coast and, you know, took over a church I've been attending and everything was nice and nice, smooth. Trans no, I was on the other side. I had a word from God. Australia, what the heck is that? Where is that at? Is that kangaroos jumping in the streets? I'd never been here before when God called me. It was a journey. And I remember after I made the transition and I came to this great country, and through much tribulation, I didn't know about the Sunshine Coast. I just knew generally Australia. God says, go, okay, we're going to go. And uh, lived in a tent and gave money away and got on an airplane with one paycheck from the hotel where I was as a bellman, working as a bellman. Came over here. And, and I had success. Not immediately. It was a challenge to get here, and, and God worked a miracle. And I could go into that, quite an outstanding miracle through uh, someone being healed in Fiji and uh, over a month of ministry in Fiji, living in Bure's, and really st I spent the last bit of money that I had and, and um, ended up in Sydney. And I got some meetings because of that healing. I was, the doors opened in the Fijian church, and I was quite grateful for that because at least I had a roof over my head because when I got off the plane, I, my money was gone. I'm thinking, what am I going to do? I'm homeless. And I'm lamenting because I had food poisoning from the, the food that they prepared for the celebration for the lady getting healed in, um, in Suva. And I was desperate. Desperate people do desperate things. But I didn't have this word that I'm giving you this morning for a turnaround. I, I, I didn't know what I know now about this. Had I known that, I would have said something uh, about it. I would have used this word, and I've used it since. But I found myself with lots of doors open, lots of churches to preach in as a result of that. And I found myself living in a penthouse overlooking the beach near Bondi. And all of my Christmases came at once. I was preaching for the person that was in charge of a major ministry, worldwide ministry, I might add. And this man had a church, and I was preaching in it, and they loved me, and everything was going great. And like I said, I'm, I'm living in the penthouse. I'm, I could see the beach down there, and I got meetings, and, and I've got all these churches want me to come and preach and give my testimony. And I'm giving, because uh, of my business background, I'm giving my testimony at uh, Full Gospel Businessmen's meetings. And everything's opened up. Everything's good. I'm preaching, meeting pastors of large churches, everything, uh, it just couldn't get any better than this until the man that I was preaching for fell from grace. And now, I got tarred with the same brush because he was the one putting me up and I was preaching at his church. Every single meeting that, that I had planned got canceled. And I didn't find out about it till like the day of the meeting because I didn't have iPhones back then. There was no internet. So the way of finding out that, hey, we've canceled your meeting is show up and find out you don't have a meeting and you don't have any income. 
And now I'm not in the penthouse anymore. That whole thing disintegrated. <laughs> and I'm out on the street in the middle of winter. Now, I met my wife, and thank God for that. And I had plans, and I'm thinking, uh, my goodness, you know, this, this we've got to have a honeymoon, and uh, I want to court her. I want to have money. I don't want her shouting everything. And, 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 but, but being on the street with just the backpack, which was my suitcase, I've got to take it down to Melbourne. And I was going to live out of the car, but I gave the car away because I think I don't really need to drive everywhere I'm going. So I gave the car to somebody else. Well, the guy that gave me the car wanted the car back, <laughs> Indian giver. But the car was up in Queensland, and the guy that I gave it to was the guy that was playing guitar for me when I was traveling around preaching, and, and he had ripped the seats uh, in the back of the car and the passenger seat out, put a piece of ply uh, from the front to the back so he could sleep in that car, and the seats were gone. Now the guy wants it back with the seats, and I'm, and I'm, I'm down in Sydney. And I felt God say, go, to, go down to Melbourne, middle of winter, and I'm broke pretty well. I got a ticket. That's about all I had. I get down to Melbourne to go to a Pentecostal minister's conference. The guy sharing was Bob Mumford. And I'll never forget it. I, I, I get in Melbourne, I'm broke. I'm thinking, this is going to be a long night. It's going to be a long conference. Uh, Melbourne in the wintertime, it's cold. And I'm thinking, well, I don't even know where I'm going to stay. And I don't know anybody down there. So I walk in the streets, and it's starting to get dark. I walked past this restaurant. Inside were a bunch of people that I, I recognized because uh, in Sydney I'd preached for their church. And um, the church ended up becoming, uh, Hillsong came, came out of that church. And uh, I look inside, they're all eating, they're having fun. The church has no doubt paid for the whole thing. <laughs> and I'm walking past with my backpack thinking, man. I'd love to be sitting at that table eating that nice food. And I was embarrassed, to be quite frank. I was embarrassed. But somebody in there spotted me looking in the window. I'm like, come on in, come on in. So I'm like, oh, okay. I'll come in and sit with them and watch them eat, but I can't pay. I said, oh, have, have something. What do you want? They said, well, where, where are you staying? And I said, oh, I just arrived. I haven't, I haven't yet um, found my accommodation. I think at the street. Somewhere safe. At least it's not Detroit. <laughs> they go, well, we had a cancellation. One of our staff at the Hyatt or wherever it was canceled, or the Hilton. <laughs> well, you could have that room. I'm like, oh, yeah, why not? Okay. <laughs> Thank God. So I had a great weekend, and things started to turn around. But I know what it's like to lament. The thoughts that went through my head, because not only had this particular minister failed that put me from the penthouse back onto the street, but I met a whole bunch of other older men of God that had been in ministry that had failed, and, and nobody told me. I thought this was going to be a glamorous life on a platform with a microphone. Woo! How good does life get? All the doors open. I looked at these big ministries, and I thought, Man, I, that's what I want to do for a living. But I had no idea, and a lot of you don't either, between your calling and your dream and, and, and your vision and the fulfillment of that, 
you're going to have probably some hardships. It's probably something, though, that's going to shape your character so that when you do end up on some kind of a platform or something, you've got a voice, you've got something to share, you've got some character to back it up. It's not hollow words. It's not scripting. It's not an acting job. It's a character in you, Christ in you. You've been through some things, so those lamentations get turned around into something powerful. Now, I've had more than one of these, I could tell you one after another where I found myself homeless, following God. And this one word, yet, listen to this in Habakkuk 3.17. Though the fig tree does not bud, that was me more than once, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, you might be there right now, Maybe your job, maybe your finances, maybe something in relationships, your health, whatever it is, has failed and the, and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen. I had no church. People say, what church are you from? I don't know. Have you got a church? No. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, verse 18, here it is. Here's the turnaround word again. Here's the pivotal point that's going to take you from behind in the game to, I know that we're going to win this thing. Yet. Come on, somebody say, yet. Yes. Not yes, yet. Yes. Got to get it right. I will rejoice in the Lord. Notice how the, the, this Habakkuk's will gets involved because this is going to take your willpower even to utter that word. Are you married? You can say no. But a better thing to say is not yet. Are you, do you have a church? No, no. Better thing to say not yet. You got some ministry? Not yet. Are you healed? Oh, I'm just so sick. You just don't know. Not yet. Not yet. It's coming. We're behind on the board. But we're not going to lose. Because I haven't seen the righteous forsaken. Job said this. He says, though he slay me yet, I will still serve him. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. What is that? That's faith. 19, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, he's going through it. Verse chapter 50, Jeremiah. This is what the Lord Almighty says. The people of Israel are oppressed. And the people of Judah as well. All the captives hold them fast, refusing to let them go. That might be you. Verse 34. Yet their Redeemer is strong. The Lord Almighty is his name. He will vigorously defend their cause so that he may bring rest to their land. You see, your yet propels you into your future. It gives you hope gives you something to shoot for. You could just say no. That'd be the end of it. 
You're not going to win the game? Too bad. You knew that anyway. Or did you? You want to have a turnaround. Your turnaround is in your mouth. Your turnaround is as close as one word. But to utter that, you have to get some willpower behind that. You have to camp on God's Word. You need to believe that what we preach and what we read and what we talk about and what's in the Bible, all the people that were down and out for the count almost, they had one thing. They had a yet face greatest word. I believe one of faith's greatest words has to be yet. Though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. And the Bible is loaded with turnarounds because the Bible has a yet practically for every day of your life. Listen to Paul's yets. I don't think it gets any worse than the Apostle Paul. 2 Corinthians 4, 8. We are hard-pressed on every side. Here we go. Yet. Not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles. That's what he calls them. <laughs> being beaten, shipwrecked, destitute. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen, oh, it's eternal. You want to go from the penthouse to the street? No. Do you want to live in a tent for God's cause? No. Do you want to be pushed and pressured and be taken to court trying to get this building? No. Do you want to know what it's like to risk everything? Probably not. For a cause? And then to have the thoughts that God's let you down? Where is this God? Why is this so hard? And the devil in your ear, you're going to fail. Yak, 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 and naggy, naggy, naggy. Problem, problem. Didn't work for them. Ain't going to work for you. You might be there right now, and he's in your ear. You're going broke. You're going to lose your job. Your health is going to, you're getting older. All these things. I guess my question to you, do you want to turn around? Then you need to get a yet in your mouth. When you're down and you want a turnaround, get yourself a, a Bible word. Get yourself a yet in your mouth, which, which whatever is causing you to be down in the mouth, get up in the mouth with the one word that will turn things around yet. You haven't seen it yet. The best is what? Yet to come. This is not just a cliche thing. This is a Bible word, 2 Corinthians 6, 9 to 10. Look at all the yets in this one. Yet, regarded as unknown, dying, and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed. Verse 10, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, poor, yet making many rich, having nothing, and yet possessing everything. What's that, about five yets right there? Bad circumstances, but a yet comes in there. Second Corinthians 13, I can go on and on with this. For to be sure, he was crucified in weakness, yet... 
He lives by God's power. Likewise, we are weak in him. Yet, by God's power, we will live with him in our dealings with you. I'm here to encourage you, don't give up without you yet. Don't let your dream die on the wrong side of your yet. You have a choice to fill your mouth with every negativity and reasons why it won't work, and you can get yourself in a choir of naysayers if you want, and you can sing tenor in the bunch of them, or you can go against that, and you can say, I am going to speak a word of faith. It's just one word, so it's not that hard. I don't need a whole sentence. I just need to get yet in my mouth. Your miracle is in your mouth. Your miracle is one word away. Will you get it out? Because if you do, you'll have a turnaround. It's time for your turnaround. I'm here this morning to coach you and to help you get that turnaround that you want, but it's not going to happen by agreeing with the devil. See, now faith is. We know that now is now, and now faith is. And now is when the author says, he speaks the word, it's now. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the now, and he finishes what he starts. He's the beginning, the now. Faith is now. Now faith is. But between now and seeing it come to pass, That whole thing called the middle, any fighter knows this, it's the middle rounds that are the hardest. The finish, I was always a good finisher. When I I get through the valley of the shadow of death, when I I, I used to run the two mile, it was eight times around the oval, the football oval, eight times around. And man, like at the start, it's like you're full of adrenaline, it's like you, you go out of the gates, you're sprinting, it's like you, you got to slow down, man, you're going to burn it, you're not going to make, this is not a sprint, this thing is like not a marathon, but it's a long distance race, and, and you got to slow down, and so I get into my pace, and somewhere about the mile mark, halfway, oh God, did it hurt, and you think, I'm only halfway, you're only halfway to your miracle, but your miracle's in your mouth. And that one word needs to get in your mouth. It needs to come out. Yet, yet, yet. But the devil's right in the middle of it. Oh, he'll be there at the start trying to convince you it wasn't God that spoke to you, your vision's trashed, and he'll trash it all. But his favorite ground is in the hard bit, the middle. That's that's the devil's favorite time to try to get you discouraged and to get you to quit. You don't necessarily need to say yet at the start. When you get the vision, you're usually pretty pumped. Woo, I know what to do. We're going to start a business. We're going to be on Shark Tank. Woo, man, we're going to make millions of dollars. I'm an entrepreneur. Okay, we'll find out. When you've invested every cent into that big idea, ooh, I'm a call to the ministry. Woohoo, I'm gonna be a preacher. I'm gonna be on that platform. Ha! The lights and all, they're gonna be 
Recording all my messages going to go worldwide, going to go viral. This is going to be amazing. You get the vision. You can be somebody. I want to have a family. That's wonderful. Going to have a tribe of kids. Maybe it's not as easy to fall pregnant. Maybe you lose a few. We did. And the devil's right there in the middle, in that valley. You start off at a mountaintop. It's downhill. Woo! Man, I love, I love running downhill. I like cycling when the wind's at my back, but I know I got to come back, and the wind's not going to be at my back coming back. In the middle comes discouragement, comes the naysayers, comes the voice of your adversary to tell you how worthless you are and knew it would never work. Parents didn't do it. Grandparents didn't do it. Brothers and sisters of failure, you're going to be just like them. What makes you think that you're going to be any different than them? All these other pastors and ministers had failed, miserably failed. Met with one guy. His son was, you know, running a, working for a pizza place, and somebody suggested, hey, you need to go see so-and-so, and he'll tell you about the ministry. So I went down, <laughs> I went and saw this guy, and it was, it was one of the most depressing times of my whole life as I heard about how he failed in the ministry. And I went and talked to his son. His son's got a bottle of Jack Daniels. He's standing there, you know, running a pizza place, getting drunk. The other daughter ended up prostitute on the Gold Coast. There's the fruit of your ministry, man. There's, that's going to be you. And everything was screaming at me, give it up. Go back to America. Go, go back and be an accountant. Go back into business. Why, why did you do this stupid thing anyway, following God all the way over to this place and end up in the street? You know, no money? This is ridiculous. You're in the middle of the race. It's in the middle that the devil attacks the hardest. But you've got to get in the middle of your miracle. You've got to get this word in your mouth. You have to get this into you. Into your mouth comes the miracle in the middle that you can say it's not over yet. I'm going to live. This, this game is turning around. And it's only as far as your mouth that you can speak this out. Jesus, if it's you, bid me to walk on water. Come. Okay. I got it. Paul, you're down. Shipwreck, beat, and all the rest of it. Yeah, though I suffer, though. Yet. I guess my question to you this morning, have you got a yet in your mouth? I think of Smith Wigglesworth. He was, in, he was 60-something years old when he got called into the ministry. Somebody could have said to him, you're a plumber, like, retire. Like, I'm over 60 myself now. Just retire. You know, don't worry about it. The ministry thing, what's that all about? What you've done, you do, give it away. Smith was 60. We're all talking to people know who Smith Wigglesworth is because he had a yet. Somewhere in there, he grabbed a hold of this. It's not over yet, though I'm 60 years old. 
Colonel Sanders, how many people have ever eaten Kentucky Fried Chicken? Whether you like it or not, I don't really care. But the fact is, the colonel was in his 60s when he got that recipe, uh, became famous and started that franchise, and he, and he became a born-again Christian as well, I might add. He got a yet in there. He didn't quit. Caleb and Joshua, they, they suffered for 40 years with these other people. The 10 spies went out. They gave a great report, the 12 brothers. 10 of them came back, no, we can't do it. These two guys came back and said, we're more than enough. Let's go take it. They had to sit there for 40 years with the other people. But I imagine somewhere in there when people would say, are you, are you, are you going into Canaan? Are you there? No, not yet, but we're going to get there. Caleb said, give me that mountain. Joshua ended up leading them when Moses couldn't because Moses didn't have it yet. Joshua had it yet somewhere in there. He had a, it's not over yet. The game's turning around. It's time for my turnaround. Is it time for your turnaround or are you just here taking up time? Are you here because you want a word from God that's going to be a game changer in your life? Are you willing to drop the excuses with age and sex and race and every other excuse? Are you willing to pick up something so powerful that no matter where you're at in life, no matter what you look like, born on the wrong side of the tracks, I don't care. God doesn't care. God says, I want faith. And if you've got faith and you get a yet, I'll change that thing. I'll turn it around. It's not over. The best is yet to come. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm working awfully hard up here trying to encourage somebody. I don't have a job. Why not change it to I don't have a job yet? I'm not well. Why not say I'm not well yet? My parents don't know the Lord. Why not say my parents don't know the Lord yet? Because you're troubled. Is your opportunity. I wish I'd have known this way back. It's taken me a while. Through all the travels and everything else, and the enemy shouting in the middle of the valley, it's over. Your miracle's not going to happen. You might as well just quit. Go home. The battle in the middle, he taunts you with it. My son was telling me he's in the U.S. Army, and he... Um, gets to hang out there on the base there, and they have uh, military guys like Green Berets and Rangers and stuff coming and going, special forces. But there's Tier 2, which is like Navy SEALs, Army Rangers, Green Beret. Tier 1 is private, regular Army. But then there's Tier 3, SEAL Team 6, Tier 3. Delta Force, Tier 3. He says, Dad, when the Delta guys come in, there's only just a few of them. They come into the cafeteria to the, to the mess to eat. He says, you should see these dudes, man. They all got beards. You don't sit with them. Nobody sits with them. They would just look at you, go sit, where, sit with your Tier 2 or 3 or 1 or whatever. No, Tier 1 is the top, sorry. Delta Force is Tier 1. And he said, these guys are just like such a cut above. I said, what, is, what makes them that way? What? He said, look, they'll start off with 400 guys trying out for it, and they might get down to 40. But out of the 40, only a few of them are going to make it. 
What do they do to you? He says, well, the last exercise, they have to go on a run, full gear on. The ruck is 70 pounds, whatever that is in kilograms, 35 or something kilos, you're gone, all the rest of it. He says, they have to go, on a, go for a run. I says, how far is it? He says, they don't tell you, but it's going to be around 100 kilometers with full gear over rough terrain. And they don't tell them how far the run is, so they, they don't know what their time is going to be. And they're measured for how fast they do it. They, they do clock them, and if they don't make the time, then they're, they're cut. But they don't know what the distance is, so they don't have any way of measuring their time. You see, what you're going through right now, it would, wouldn't it be nice if you knew exactly when this thing was going to finish? You knew exactly your different markers that you had to achieve. You knew exactly, I could look at that and go, you know, my pace is five minutes or six minutes for the mile. I got five miles to run, so therefore, you know, I've got to do it under this. Wouldn't that be nice? But life doesn't work that way. You are in a race that you don't know when it finishes. And you don't know what your time has to be. So these guys start out, and they have to hit different markers using a compass, and somewhere in there, and they're being watched. They've got to they've set the pace of a race that they don't even know what the distance is. That's why very few of them make it. And if you're held hostage or something, you want one of those guys to come and rescue you for sure. They're going to get you out. <laughs> they're tier one. Commandos and regular SEALs and Rangers and all that, tier two. They're good. They're not, they're not tier one. Tier one is what God wants all of us to be with a yet. God is looking for fiber. God is looking for character. God is looking for someone that's not just down in the mouth, just going through the routine of churchianity. God is after someone with some faith that would dare to look at the circumstances when they're behind and have a turnaround and shift the momentum of your life so that it's time for a turnaround for you that you can break through with this one word yet. I want you to stand with me. Come on. You can have a turnaround. When you quit fooling around and stuffing around and playing around, when you decide, I, I, it's time for my turnaround, and you grab a hold of this word and get this into your heart and let it come out of your mouth in the middle, then your miracle is going to happen. Turnaround will happen, but you've got to quit messing around, playing around, fooling around, screwing around. You'll find that your miracle is going to happen. You'll start to use your yet and not die on the wrong side of the dream because the best is yet to come. And quit whinging about how unfair life is and fair go and all that stuff. There is no such thing as a fair go in life. I hate to break the news. Everybody deserves a fair go. Well, we're not going to get it. Go and travel the world. Most of the world's not getting a fair go. It's totally unfair, to be quite frank. But I want you to declare with me this morning, and I want you to mean it. So right now, whatever it is, you're behind. Could be a habit in your life. 
you're thinking, man, this thing is beating me up. And the devil's saying that's just the way it's always going to be for you. Could be that you do need that financial miracle. You want to break through. You want to not just barely survive. You want to get ahead on this thing. Could be your health. Could be your age. Are you going to leave it as an excuse? Or are you going to follow the vision that God could place in your heart? Sanctify your imagination. Pick it up. I'm behind. It's time for a turnaround. It's time for your turnaround right now. You're one word away. Just one, not even a second away from your turnaround word called, you can do it. Do you want it that bad? So I want you to think about what's beating you up and where you're behind in the game called life right now. Don't share this out loud, but you know where it is. (laughs) Whatever it is. I wonder right now whether you're willing to get a yet to turn that thing around. I want you to say this out loud like you mean it. It's time for my turnaround. It's not over yet. The best is, come on, shout it, yet to come. Hallelujah. Somebody give the Lord some praise. Come on. Come on, church. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise God. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. I want to give you a chance to ask Jesus into your heart. It's not over yet because you have a chance right now to get saved. So I want us all to pray this. If you're here or or you're watching online, you pray this with me. You mean this in your heart. If you confess him with your mouth and believe that God raised him from the dead in your heart, you will be saved. So say this after me. Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.